Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ, and today we have a great, great episode I'm excited to share with y'all, season four, episode number 12, and I actually have five tips that I want to share that's going to help transfer your skills from a training session to a game. Five tips to transfer your skills from training session to the game. This is something that I have really, as a skills trainer, had to really work on over the years. I've had to really evaluate my philosophy, my training methods, and and what I do and what I've done in the past to you know to how I'm training today to really be able to get players to not only look good and perform well in practice, but to be able to take that skill or those skills and techniques and apply them in a game setting. And I've made some mistakes. I thought what I used to do was the best way to to get them to perform in a game. And then I realized that I needed to make an adjustment and it was more on me than it was on the player. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into the show, I got to mention my book, The Skill Development Playbook, is available for purchase uh, you can go to my website, uh, tjonesfirm.com forward slash SDP hyphen book. That's T-J-O-N-E-S firm.com forward slash SDP hyphen book. And all the information will come up. Um, you know, so it's it's available in three different formats. You can get a PDF form on my a PDF version on my website is $3.95. If you prefer the Kindle version through Amazon, it's $3.99. And if you prefer to get a hard copy, then it is uh, $10. Now, you can get the hard copy through my website if you want to. Um, there's a button on my on my site that allows you to click on it. It takes you right where you need to go. So if you just go to my website, type in tjonesfirm.com forward slash sdp hyphen book. It take you where you need to go. You can read about the book, tell you what's uh, everything that's in the book and what it's about. It's not a drill book. It is more of a book that kind of tells you some things you need to know about skill development and how to put together uh, a skill session, things you need to think about, things you need to know. I always felt like the, the drills are the easy part, but this is something to give you something else to think about. All right, so let's get into the show. I got a lot of talk, I got a lot to talk about, uh, but I'm gonna try my best not to drag this out. Um, hopefully, this could be short to the point. Uh, but one thing that I have noticed when I was training, especially when I first started, that the players that I would work with would often look good in practice, but they would struggle in games. Okay, they would just they would they would just struggle. Um, skills were not transferring from the skill development sessions to the to the game. And like I said, this is something I struggled with for years uh, with the players I trained. So I honestly and foolishly thought that it was always the player's fault. <laughs> I'm, I was saying to myself, man, I'm giving you information. I'm, I'm showing you the techniques. I'm telling you what to do. I'm telling you how to do it. I'm telling you why to do it. I'm even telling you when to do it. But you're not doing it. And, you know, 
I just I didn't know what to think. I thought maybe the kids would just freeze up in the games. They were scared to perform. But, you know, over time you mature and you have to start looking at yourself and you say, OK, uh, something else is going on. I, I'm giving the kids these this information. You know, if I had 10 kids I was working with, maybe two or three of them were doing the skills that we worked on in practice. They were actually doing in the game. So um, the training methods that I had pretty much had me fooled for all these years. Um, they were they were improving, but they were not game ready. So there is a there is a difference. You you can be you can be making strides. You can be getting better. Your shooting could be getting better. But the way that I was preparing them was not preparing them for competition. My methods at the time was preparing them to be better in practice. And that's where you want to avoid. Now, uh, these tips that I'm going to give you, uh, they are relevant to the individual. You're going to have some players that will still struggle in the game because they have some mental uh, obstacles they have to overcome. They have some limitations. They have some physical limitations that they have to overcome. But for the most part, I feel like what I'm going to share with you is it's not anything that's a secret. I'm not claiming to be having this, you know, this, this, this is not going to be something that's just going to change the world, but it's just some things that I've had to incorporate and in doing my training that's helped my players go from a little bit of improvement to a bigger strides in their improvement. And I've seen players that I've had that work with me that just really get frustrated and struggle. And then they're getting in the game now and they're performing at a much higher level. And I'm not talking about players that went from being a JV player as a 10th grader and then they're playing major D1 basketball. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about a player that didn't have a lot of confidence. They struggled in the games. They came to me. We were able to do some things. And then it helped their confidence, and they were able to perform at a higher level. That higher level could be from not getting any playing time to playing 10 minutes, 12, 15 minutes a game in a row. Or it could be from being borderline starter to coming off the bench to cracking that starting lineup. So it's just something that gives them and helps to push them over the edge. Okay. All right. So to talk about this, there are two, there are two terms you have to understand. Number one is positive transfer. And the other term is negative transfer. And I think you have to understand the difference between these two and what these two are to understand what exactly, um, how to, how, to, how this things work. So positive transfers is just when you, have skills transferring from practice to performance, from a skill session to competition. So, you know, you work on shooting off the dribble during the week. You want that skill to transfer to the game to improve their performance during the game. So if a player is known as a spot-up shooter and then we're working on them shooting off the dribble, there are certain techniques that we want to be able to use that will help them take that, what they're doing in practice, and it follows them or it transfers over to, to their game, to their competition. 
So you want it to be positive. This is helping them get better or perform better in a game. Now, negative transfer leads to a decrease in performance or a worse performance. And that is definitely not what we want to do. So as a skills coach, we got to make sure that it's positive transfer and not negative transfer. Now, what I was doing in the past, it wasn't necessarily making their performance decrease, but it wasn't doing anything to help increase. So we want to limit the, the, the negative transfer. We want that positive transfer to come through. And there are some techniques that I have that I try to do um, that help them. So let's get right into it. Number one, um, again, this is five tips to transfer your skills from a training session to a game. Number one, we want to limit block training. We want to limit block training. Now, what is block training? Block training is uh, basically when we are doing a repetitive or a consecutive skill, uh, a consecutive amount of, of a skill. So we're just, we're working on shooting and we're going to stand in the corner and we're going to shoot 10 shots. And then we're going to go to the wing and stand there for 10 shots. And then we're going to go to the elbow, the top of the key, and, and then we're going to repeat on the other side. Now, block training is not terrible. We just don't want that type of training to be the whole focus of our training session. So it's all based on your goal or objective. If your goal is about technique, form, high reps, then block training could be the way to go. Okay. So everything that I've always talked about with skill development is always based on your goal or your objective. What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Okay. If you're doing, if you're, if you're, particular player or son or daughter is not shooting the ball well in the game and it's more about they have to shoot the ball better in the game in competition then we want to limit block training they need more random training and what i mean by random training is they may shoot a shot in the corner then they may run to the elbow catch and shoot they may go to half court, come back to the top of the key, catch and get into a one dribble pull up. They may go to the opposite wing and do a two dribble pull up. Or they may uh, go back to the other side of the floor, catch, take a hard dribble, change direction and finish at the rim. So they're getting up numerous shots. They could be uh, different shots from different locations or it could be the same shot from different locations. But it's random. It could be off a of command. You know, the coach could throw it to the player and, and they as the ball is in the air, the coach could tell them what type of shot they want. Or it could be the player just catch and shoot and then go to another spot, catch and shoot. Or it could be catch and shoot on one, one dribble pull up on the other. You know, so it's a number of different things that you can do, but it's random. It's not the same shot every single time. And I think this is very, very important but again, it goes back to what your goal is. If you're, if the player that you're working with is struggling with their technique, their form is off, they're not following through, their elbow is out, they're shooting off balance. Yes, you're going to need block training. You need to isolate that skill or that technique that they're struggling with and make sure they get up quality reps to get back in that habit of shooting the ball the correct way. 
Um, but if that's not an issue, if they are struggling and you say, okay, hey, you know, we haven't been getting up enough, uh, enough shots and we just want to come in today and get up, you know, 300 shots. And we're going to do that by doing some block shooting. That's completely fine. And I think this is also going to be based on the, the player. And that's why I say it's relevant to the player and their skill and what it is you're trying to accomplish with them. But ultimately, if we're talking about transferring from skill development to the game, we want to limit block training and have more random training. Okay, number two, incorporate more decision making. Okay, five tips to transfer your skills from training session to game. Number two, we want to incorporate more decision making. Um, In skill development sessions, typically, players are told when and where to shoot, what move to make, when and what pass to make. So there's like no decision making because decision is already made. Right. So when there's no decision to be made, players go into autopilot and just go through the drill. Okay, so let's go back to the block, to the block training. I have a player. I put them on the wing and I say, okay, you're going to shoot 10 shots from the wing. There is no decision making on that. They they already know that they're going to shoot. There's no defense. And I'm and again, I'm not saying that this is terrible training i'm not saying this is the wrong way to train but you know it just all depends on what your goal is but if i tell the player stay on the wing and i just throw them the ball or hurt the ball and say okay catch and shoot or catch and drive or dribble to a spot and pass it to me that decision is already made so what happens is they get in the game and i used to ask players i'm like well you know why didn't you were you open parents would always say well, they were open five times and they wouldn't shoot and I'm like, why are you not shooting? And then they always shrug their shoulders like, I don't know. And once I started having them do more decision making, then I noticed players and parents were telling me, oh, they were open and they shot it. It didn't go in or it did go in. But, hey, they, they're shooting the ball now um, when they're open. So we have to incorporate some type of decision making. Uh, Chris Oliver, who is uh, – a, a coach, she's out of Canada, and, and he has, um, um, it's called basketball decision training. And there's a different components to it. Players got to read the, their, their coach or their partner, whether to shoot it, drive it, or pass it. And there are different ways that you can do it. I, I incorporate a lot of that sometimes in my training, but I just want them to be able to somewhat mimic what they could face in the game. And again, game-like cannot be replicated in practice. I don't care what type of drill you do. I don't care what type of drill you come up with. I don't care what type of equipment you use. You cannot replicate what the player actually faces in the game in practice. It's just not possible. It's not. Okay? I don't care what anybody say. It's not possible. Because there are so many factors that you can't control, um, that you can't replicate in a game. Now, you can you can do some things to help prepare them for a situation that they may face, but you can't replicate what they're going to face in the game in practice. Um, but anyway, I like to add some different types of training or, I'm sorry, some different type of decision making. Um, I may have players drive. I may stand in the corner and say, hey, if you see my hands, throw it to me. If not, finish at the rim. 
Um, I have I may have players dribble towards me, and I tell them if I step towards you, if I come towards you to challenge, make a change of direction. If I step back, pull up and shoot the jump shot. You know, so I try to give them different decisions because they, they don't know what they're going to do. Now they have to be in tune to what's going on, and they're not on autopilot, so they can be able to see and and maybe get an idea of what it is they're going to face in the game and not just come in and just be, oh, okay, I'm just driving and shooting. I'm just driving and passing. I'm just driving and, and finishing at the rim. So we got to incorporate some type of uh, decision-making. Now, when we do this, it keeps the players engaged, okay? It forces them to think, forces them to make decisions, you know, when to shoot, when to drive, when to pass, when to finish, et cetera. So we got to incorporate more decision-making. All right. Number three, encourage more small group training. I am a big, 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 big believer in small group training. I used to be not necessarily against small group training, but I always thought when I first started, and this tells you how much I've grown, that one-on-one sessions, just a player and the coach was the way to go. And that's great. One-on-one training is great. One-on-one training can really you know, you can really work on some things with that particular player. But if you're wanting their skills to transfer more positively uh, to, to a game or competition, then there, there has to be some small group training. Now, here's the only exception to that. And this is what I tell parents. I said, I, I, and I'm a big believer in this. If a kid is going to do strictly one-on-one training and they're going to get with a trainer once or twice a week, they have to, it is imperative, they have to make sure that they are playing some type of basketball, not in a formal setting. And what I mean by formal setting, I mean not playing basketball on a team or in a training session with a coach or at a team practice. I mean just going to the park and playing basketball, going to the local gym and getting some run in you know, playing some pickup, you know, but not necessarily just jacking around, but just really going to the, and just, and just playing and trying to figure some things out. And you have to encourage them to do some of the things you've been working on. And it's going to look bad in the beginning, but eventually it has to get to that point. Um, But small group training allows so much more than in one-on-one training. So, you know, Number one, you got your competition. You can compete against other players. And I'm going to share something with you. Um, Just the other day, I have a daughter. She's eight. And she's in a a small group session that that I have that comes twice a week. And there's a new kid that comes. And I told the players, okay, we're going to dribble up to the first chair. I want you to make a move. Dribble to the second chair and make a move. And then... Make your shot. Shoot your short jumper. So the the kid, the new kid came up and he went between the legs twice. He he went pop pop, you know, boom, boom. He went between the legs twice, drove, went to the other chair, changed direction, pulled up a shot. Now I've never, me and my daughters worked together before, but I never had her work on that or do that move before. So just from her seeing that, she was like, she I could see to herself, she was like, oh, I'm going to try that. And she went up, tried it. Drove to the chair, changed direction, shot it. So that kid came back through again. He did the same thing. He did it the other way. 
And I'm not saying that these kids, I mean, they're eight, nine-year-olds, so they're not doing it like you see somebody in the NBA do it. But just from her seeing that, she's competing, saying, okay, if he do it, I'm going to do it. Not necessarily we competing one-on-one. I don't even know if the kid noticed that she was doing it. But just being in those small groups allows your players to see other kids and how they're how they're training. If they're going really hard or, you know, or if they're trying different things that they may want to try. Um, so it's really good for them to to get in that group and, and push each other, you know, um, because, see, the thing is, in one-on-one setting, it can give a false sense of improvement. You know, um, so players can get better, but then it's a little tougher sometimes for those skills to transfer over to a game. So you got to make sure, especially if the players are not playing, you know, with their friends or in the neighborhood and stuff like that. So so with the group group training, you can emulate game situations to better improve the player's basketball IQ or just their in-game situation. So if you got a group of six, and I don't believe in big, huge groups if you only got one coach, but no more than about eight. You know, so if you got like six six kids, you can do some three-on-three stuff. You can do some situational two-on-two. You can do some full-court stuff. So it's just a lot that you can do when you're in a small group setting. All right. So number four. So we got five tips to transfer your skills from training session to game. Number one was limit block training. Number two, incorporate more decision-making. Number three, encourage more small group training. And number four, don't allow players to memorize drills. Learn the techniques. This is something that I'm I'm always stressing. I have a group of boys that are going into seventh grade. I've been working with them for about two years. And as we started, we started doing more three-on-no type stuff. And I would have them mem- or do a lot of different um, three-on-no actions. You know, pass, cut, replace, swing it, drive, relocate. And at first, they were memorizing the drill. Oh, okay. This is what this is what I got to do. Well, then I started switching it up on them, putting a little wrinkle in it, and they were confused. And I said, guys, listen, I don't want you to memorize what to do. I want you to understand if you're on the opposite side of the floor, if you're on the wing and the ball's on the opposite wing and that person drives baseline, I want you to know that you need to drift to the corner. If you're up top, I want you to know I want you to be the release valve and and be behind that player. So it doesn't, I don't want you to memorize the drill. I want you to learn the techniques that are within the drill. And it took them a while, but they kind of started getting it. So then we started throwing in different, I started throwing in other techniques. Dribble handoffs. I want you to dribble through. I want you to, um, if you cut, I want you to set a back screen and and all these different things. So they kind of started learning the game and learning techniques and not memorizing drills. And again, everything is relative to what you're trying to do, what your goal or objective is, but you don't want a player to just dribble to a cone, dribble to cone, dribble to cone, dribble to a cone shot. Okay. Um, You don't want that to be the meat of your training session. So we don't want players to memorize what to do. We want them to learn the techniques. And when I first started, it was a lot of memorization. 
And now is not so much memorization, it's more of let's learn the skills within this drill that can help take your game to another level. Um, again, you don't want them to go on autopilot and they just go through the motion. Uh, you want to force them to think. Uh, they have to learn the skill or technique and not just memorize the steps in the drill. Learn the techniques and, and it will help them transfer that over to a game. Because what's going to happen is if you if you have a player and something breaks down or a player, you know, cuts and they're denied the pass, I want them to automatically know they can cut back door. Those are some of the things that I'm talking about. Um, if they cut to the basket and they don't get the ball, I want them to know, oh, I can go set a back screen. Or I can go set a down screen if I'm on the wing. So just knowing those things, and I feel like by knowing that, that can help them fit in any type of offense, whatever it is, on, on whatever team that they play on. All right, number five. Um, five tips to transfer your skills from training session to game. Tip number five, the last one, is play more. I just mentioned this, play more. You just got to play. I mean, go out and play one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-just just just play. Play 21. My friends and I, when I were when I were younger, played on the dirt court. I was just talking to a Division One coach about this yesterday. I mean, we just we we had a dirt court, had a dirt court, and we just go outside and play. I come home dusty, you know. Just but we just we just play, play one on, play one on one, two on one. 21. I never, I hardly ever won. I was the youngest, um, the smallest. The other two guys beat up on me. But, you know, you had to figure some things out on your own. You know, it's like, what can I do to stop this player? What can I do to to beat this kid? And we just, we just, you just got to play. Players got to take what they learn and apply it in game situations. So if, if um, if a player's been working on a layup and they learn how to shoot a right-hand layup, you know, you may have a couple of practices where they don't shoot the layup against a defender. I don't know. It just kind of depends on what your philosophy is. And then you might say, okay, now we're going to do a drill where you're going to drive it to the basket, you're going to shoot the layup, and you're going to have a defender coming over trying to block it or trying to strip it or chasing behind you. So just to add you know, a different element to the drill because it's not going to always be just I drive to the basket and no one's at the rim and I shoot an uncontested layup. Most times it's going to be people, it's going to be bodies around the basket. If there's no bodies around the basket, majority of the time somebody is chasing you trying to block your shot or somebody is next to you. So we we got to make sure that the environment that the players are in in practice prepares them for competition because again you can't replicate a game but hopefully what what we could do in practice is help prepare them for it um, as much as possible if you're a coach or a parent and you have a couple of kids you know at the end of at the end of practice you may want to put them in some one-on-one you know um, and the one-on-one doesn't have to necessarily be Player up top has the ball. There's somebody on defense, and they hold it and jab. I mean, you could put them in certain situations. It could be the player starts on the block. They make the pass. 
to the top of the key, and now they got to try to get open somewhere on the court to catch and then make a move and try to score. It could be a number of different things. Uh, but one-on-one is huge. And I'm going to tell you this quick story. There was a young girl that she actually graduated this year from Davidson that I used to train. Um, I started with her going into her eighth grade year, and we we worked together for about four years. All the way up until she graduated high school, yeah, so for four years. And she they when we first started, she did not like coming. Dad made her come. Um, she was real hesitant about what I had her doing. She wasn't sure because she was trans transitioning from a post player to a guard, to a wing player. And I remember you telling her when she was younger, hey, if you want to play in college, you have to be a point guard. And here's somebody else that played post from fourth, fifth, sixth, and part of seventh grade. And now I'm telling her, hey, if you're going to play in college, you're going to play point. And she played some point. And that's, and that's, that's funny because uh, she used to, I'm not playing point. I'm not playing. But anyway. Uh, we would work on different stuff. And um, one day in practice, it was just, just wasn't going well. You know, she didn't have a whole lot of energy and doing different stuff. And I would show her things and she would mess up. And I'm like, it's good. Just trust me. And she was upset. So I was like, you know what? Forget it. Um, I said, let's play some one-on-one. So I didn't play any defense. And we just played one-on-one. And everything that we had been working on, it just, boom, she was able to demonstrate. Um, one dribble pull-up, two dribble pull-ups, um, you know, hard dribble, hesitation, between the legs, get to the rim and finish, step backs. And, I mean, just instincts, just, you know, but she didn't show me any emotion. So we get done, we're both drenched in sweat, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't know if that really worked because she never showed really any emotion. She was always frustrated. And so her dad told me, man, that's what she needs. I'm glad you did that. And I didn't I didn't know how to how to respond to it because she didn't show me any emotion. Sure enough, dad tells me, oh, man, she got home. She was so excited. She was telling her mom oh, she didn't know she can do all this stuff and do do this and do that. So one-on-one can help if it's played in the right way. Um, you don't want players playing one-on-one and they're, and they're jacking around, but in a controlled environment, you want to make sure that they're playing one-on-one uh, the right way. And I have another young lady that's seventh grade now that loves to play one-on-one. And she has come a long way. Ever since I have incorporated one-on-one into our training, me, me and her one-on-one training in our session, um, she's made leaps and bounds uh, in her development. So, want to play more, uh, especially if it's a training session. Coach, if you got a few kids, last five, ten minutes, let them play some two-on-two, some three-on-three. Put them in different situations that it help them take what they, what they have been working on and learning from a training session into their uh, competition. So, Five tips to transfer your skills from transferring. Um, I'm sorry. Five tips to transfer your skills from training session to game. Uh, number one was limit block training. Number two, incorporate more decision making. Three, encourage more small group training. Number four, don't allow players to memorize drills. They want to learn the techniques 
and five play more one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four, or even five-on-five. So I have a quick bonus for you. You can do all that, but the bonus is you must, you must constantly encourage the players. Players must hear encouraging words. Okay, they would be hesitant because of fear of failure. They must be encouraged to train new things within their role, within the flow of the offense. Okay, you coaches, uh, when you're working with players, if you're a skill coach and you're working with players, you have to understand that every player has a role. Majority of the players have a limited role. And my job as a skills coach is to try to expand their role. Give them more skills. But at the same time, I tell players, you have to make sure that you're demonstrating your ability within your role, within the flow of the offense. I don't want you to come down and after one pass, jack up a shot. I don't want you to come down after one pass, get in and try to drive and do all the different stuff off the dribble. Okay, so players, here's a tip. When you are learning new skills in the offseason and your team is having team camps or workouts during the summer, that is the time to start showing coach what you are working on. So if you're working on your range and you're a, a post player or a guard and you're trying to shoot threes next year, you need to show the coach that you're expanding your range and you're, you're going to be shooting threes. So when coach see that over the summer, and during the offseason and into the preseason, then by the time the season starts, he'll give you the green light if you made enough development to be able to shoot that shot. Don't wait until November, first game comes, somebody passes it to you, you're open, and you shoot a three-pointer, and the coach is going to be thinking, what in the world are you doing? Okay? So, um, but the players got to get that constant encouragement from their coaches, from their parents, hey, I know it's gonna. It may be a struggle in the beginning, but you gotta keep pushing, keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry about failure. Don't worry about mistakes. Don't worry about messing up. Just keep going, and uh, you'll be able to see the development that you're wanting to see. So, real quick recap: If you want positive transfer, you need more random practice. You gotta incorporate group training, and you gotta. And here's another little little bonus tip: discuss what you learn. Players, when you come off the court and you're on a ride home with your mom and dad, tell them what you learned. Okay? That's, that's, like, that's like going over your notes. Tell them what you learned. Tell them, you know, you know what the goal is, what y'all, what y'all worked on. Talking about it helps. Now, if you're wanting to limit your negative transfer, then you need to limit your block training. You need to make sure players are not memorizing drills. Um, you... you um, you got to make sure to incorporate some decision-making. And also, don't give up the players all the answers, okay? If a player messes up or if they're trying to figure something out, you can lead them to the answer, but don't just give them the answer. And I know sometimes it's easier for us to just tell them what, what they need to know versus letting them figure it out. So sometimes, you know, we'll, I have a group of kids and they'll be playing one-on-one. And a particular kid could be doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I'd be like, okay, look, after about the fifth time, I'm going to say, guys, look, do y'all not see what he's doing? And, and then I ask them some questions that lead them to the answer. Then 
they're able to make the adjustment. But we don't always want to just give them the answer. Okay. All right. So that is it. Let me give y'all my social media real quick. Um, we're going on almost 40 minutes. I apologize. I, I tried to keep it short, but I feel like this is a really good episode uh, to be able to transfer your skills from, from practice over to the game. So on social media, you can follow me on Twitter and IG. My handle, my handle is at NBNBball, at NBNBball on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, on LinkedIn, you can search for me, TJ Jones. I also have a Facebook page, Nothing But Net Basketball. You can go on there and like that. Um, my website. If you want to send me an email, ask me some questions. I have a couple people that, that like to send me some emails and ask me some questions. Some it's about skill development training. Sometimes I got one person that, that sent me an email asking me about, you know, something going on in the NBA. So whatever it is, you can shoot me an email. My email is info. I-N-F-O at tjonesfirm.com. T-J-O-N-E-S-F-I-R-M.com. That's info at tjonesfirm.com. If you have any questions, if you need help with anything, um, putting together a skill development program for your team or organization, if you need help as a player, um, you know, I do consulting. Please feel free to reach out and uh, we can get something, we can get something going for you. Also, my website, it's tjonesfirm.com, so be sure to go in there and check me out. Um, again, if y'all have any questions or anything, let me know. Uh, I enjoy talking the game with different coaches and parents and players. If you have ever have any questions, email me, direct message me on, on any of the social media, and I'll be more than happy to talk with you about it. So that is it. Until next time, thank y'all. God bless you.